This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Well, this is Dragonheart. I am Che Long. I am joined by Mark Griffiths. It's a new year and we have the Notts County game to break down. Uh, we have an interview with Josh Gowling and we have a few anniversaries and landmarks that we'd like to talk about. So, how are you, Mark? How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, the chat with Gowling's very interesting. He's the Hereford manager, of course, manager at Wembley last year in the FA Trophy final. Um, and a player who always was mentioned when it came to uh, opposition players looking good against us. So I thought it might be interesting to hear what he had to say, not least because he wrote an article a couple of weeks ago in The Guardian um, about how COVID affects lower division teams. So, yeah, he's, a, he's an articulate speaker. He's a, yeah interesting chap. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to listening to that myself. So, let's not waste any time. This is Dragonheart. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragonheart. Not County. It was a, a fascinating game, and considering we lost three-one, um, it's not a game that I'm too bothered about because it was a bit one of those. It was one of those freak games, wasn't it? Where all sorts was happening. Hundred percent. I was quite interested at the end of the game, seeing how a lot of Notts County press and fans were really thrilled at their performance. So I was thinking, well, I, I, I'm not sure I would be. I mean, we were taking chances with 10 men for 80 minutes and I thought we did extremely well. I, you ought to be making chances against a team that are still trying to attack with 10 men. So I was really, really pleased with us, to be honest. Can I give you my fab fact, which I'm... I'm going to say 95% certain of. I've spent basically the entire week, why am I doing this to myself, um, going through every single red card Wrexham has ever received. <laughs> How sad is that? Um, <laughs> going back to the very first one on record, which is Percy Evans getting sent off for Wrexham in March 1910 in a Welsh Cup semi-final. Right. So gone through all the red cards, there are, by my estimation, 212 red cards given to us in our history. And Lennon is the second earliest ever. Wow. Um, oh, beg your pardon. You know what? I'm, I, I just this moment saw the exception. Sorry. Third earliest ever. <laughs> wow. As far as I can find, and I, I'm pretty darn confident here, there's only about three I've not got times for, which I'm still digging around for. Um, he was sent off in the ninth minute. Obviously, that changes the game. And the only ones faster are, well, um, Gary Bennett was sent off against Cardiff at Nibian Park after five minutes. And then there's a famous sort of inaccurate story, which is from the 1930s, that on Christmas Day, uh, Wrexham went to Hull, as you do for Christmas Day, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to, go, want to go to Holland back for Christmas? Um, and a player called Ambrose Brown, who didn't play much for us in 1936 in this match. Now, it's always been reported that it's the fastest ever red card in the history of football, that he was sent off after 20 seconds. Um, that's not actually true. So you look her up on, on Google and everywhere it will say Ambrose Brown, fastest red card, and it will save you like 20 seconds. It seems to be more like six minutes. But right. certainly it looks like, unless I discover something else at the very end of my uh, laborious research, like Lennon's the third earliest red card we've ever received in our history. And let's be honest, that conditions again, doesn't it? I mean, it was a different yeah. game after that. Yeah, and you know the opening few minutes that Riesel Johnson goal. Wow, what a goal! <laughs> you know that, that that gets us up early, and the fans, you know, were electric. And, it, and then there was that red card incident, which you know, by the rules, if you stop stop a, a goal with your hand, doesn't matter whether it's by accident or not, it's a red card, isn't it? So, though I think you know the rules say it's a red card. I think the nature of the rule is actually a bit unfair because. I don't think Harry Lennon could have done much about that. 
No, I 100% agree. Uh, I, I really think the ref's got no option. Absolutely no option. The, the rules are, are, there's no room for manoeuvre in the rules. It says, but I, I, I don't like the idea of all handballs are automatically deliberate, which is sort of essentially what the rule is saying um, when they're in the box. I, I, he, he's standing there. His arm is in an, well, I mean, again, they talk about natural positions, but then it's also away from his body. So he's just standing there, basically. Uh, the ball's hit really hard. He hasn't got time to move his arm out of the way. He's not intending to block it with his hand. Uh, I wish he, I wish he had enough time to react and get his hand out of the way because, frankly, at one all, then I'd have taken us to win it. Because, like you said, the yeah. way we started, we after the first couple of minutes, they moved the ball around well for the first couple of minutes, but. You know, we did this very well against them at Wrexham as well. After that, we started to just stop them. They want to pass out from the back. We stopped them passing the ball out from the back. And that that penalty instance was a real breakaway. It was it was out of the blue. Uh, yeah. So I really felt confident at that point. We'd made such a strong start. I, I, if we'd gone to one all then, I think we'd have carried on and beaten them, if I'm honest. I was, I was delighted with the way we shaped up. Yeah, it- it was just one of those freak games, isn't it, really? Where it's a cluster of certain certain things happening. You know, the referee was a bit all over the place, isn't he, for the game? Um, but he had no cho- he had no choice. And I think a lot of people criticizing the ref for the handball. He he had no choice but to send him off. And that the red card changed the game. But I gotta say, ten men Wrexham mm. were excellent, weren't they? You can't criticize the work ethic well, of any yeah. of them. I was delighted with them. Although I've got to say, you've obviously calmed down because at 4.49 on the day of the match, you messaged me saying, never been so angry at a ref. <laughs> so you, you've taken a step back, have you? Uh, I have taken a step back because I, I wasn't actually sure of the rules, with that, the handball rule. Um, he, I, I was equally as angry as him and the linesman for their, is it third or second goal? Third one, yeah, because yeah. for me, well, Let's talk about the first goal. A lot of people will complain that the first goal was offside even before the penalty incident. For me, uh, looking at the replays, he looked onside. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah uh, can't really complain about that. But I do think that third goal mm. wasn't on the line. It, was, it wasn't past the line as far as I'm concerned. I, it, it, the way the referee, it was like there was a bit of play. There wasn't much protest from the county players was there. And it just looked like to me that like the ref and the linesman reacted to the fans celebrating and then give the goal? Well, I, I mean, firstly, it, I, I feel it's a linesman's call really as well. So yeah. he's, he's the focus, I'm afraid, of this one. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess the way I look at it is I, I was there at the time and my impression at the time was I didn't really think it had gone in. When I looked at the, the replay in normal time, I thought that's gone in. When I looked at the first angle of slow motion, I thought that's gone in. And then when I looked at the angle from behind the camera, I thought that's not gone in. So I, I feel like I had four sort of looks at different angles, uh, different situations, and it's too all in my head. So I feel like I can't really complain whether it was in or not. I think this is, it's, it's obviously a very close one. Um, I think where we were very unlucky... And I think that's how I describe us with the decisions. I think we've been very unlucky in that match is that the linesman clearly is very confident because if you watch him, he's... And this surprised me when I saw it back. Play carries on, like you said. Notts County don't really ask for the goal, but he's running back to the halfway line. So why the referee obviously didn't hear the message and the linesman saying that's in. So the linesman's gone. The linesman's run at the pitch. Um, Yeah. So he must... I think we're unlucky because... He really, obviously, strongly thought it went in. Now, to be fair, he is in the right position. And if he thinks that, all right, I think we just got to abide by it. But we're a bit unlucky if it's such a close one that that linesman feels 100% confidence. Do you know what I mean? You'd, yeah. You'd, you'd, normally, you'd hope that if it's that close and I can't tell the difference looking at all different angles, that there might be some doubt in his mind, but it wasn't. And okay. It's what it take is. on the chin, I think. And we also had the penalty miss as well, didn't we? Which was, you know, it just wasn't our day, was it? After Paul Mullen, who you'd expect to score any penalty, you know, he misses. It's a great save by their keeper, in all fairness. Uh, it was just one of them. 
games, yeah. doesn't it? I, I, I don't think you can look into it and be too angry at the players because the work ethic is there. We look good. There's a back four without Harry, Harry Lennon. I think um, Hayden and Toza were excellent, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, for me, I don't think there's any point in really dwelling on that. And there's no point in the fans getting on the backs of the players because it's just one of those crazy games that sometimes you account for once or twice a season and maybe later on in the season we'll have a wild game that we win yeah. that we don't necessarily deserve to win so I just think those sort of things swinging roundabouts I don't, I don't know if the fans have been on their backs or not but certainly no, no. Round, they were excellent the fans were yeah. really supportive at, at the final whistle I mean, I, I felt very sorry for Mullen because who he works his socks off. He was really battling, especially when we had to bring Ponticelli out wide because they were giving us terrible problems down the wings. Yeah. Um, and he was up on his own up front. And who he battled like hell. I mean, I really had a lot of sympathy for him. Um, and it wasn't a bad penalty. I've, I've seen quite a few people sort of criticising the penalty. I don't, I, you know, he's hit it hard. It's pretty much inside the post, about a foot off the ground. It's, it's, a, it's a good penalty. The keeper's good save, yeah, exactly. The keeper's guessed, which is fair enough, and he's guessed right, and it's a cracking save. He's done really well to get down to it. Um, Do you think we could have had a penalty a couple moments later? No, I, I, I don't. I, I, I see what people are saying, and I think there was one the next day in the Premier League that was given, or that was more, more of a charge. But yeah. to me, it just looked like that um, Richardson, who's a burly bloke, is was stronger. Than, than Hosanna, I thought, really. Um, I think it'd be a soft one. I, I wouldn't be happy if it was given like that against us. Uh, th- I mean, there were other decisions as well, and I think, again, I think we were very unlucky with some of the decisions, but I want to stick to that unlucky rather than call the ref out too much because yeah. the foul on Hall Johnson at the start of the second half, I felt at the time was a red, so I feel I'm entitled to be consistent and say, yeah, I... I I still think it's a red after seeing the, the replays. But to be fair, the ref's got one chance to look at it. He was behind it. I think he had to be sort of in front of that challenge. Was well, he's beside it. He has to be in front of that challenge to see just how bad it was, I think. And the linesman's yeah. the other side, so he can't really help him out. Maybe the linesman down the line could have done. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a red, personally. But I can see why it would be a yellow as well. Yeah. That's what I mean. I think we're unlucky, but... I can't honestly moan about that decision, really. And then that penalty shout in the first half by Mullen. Yeah, I think that's a penalty as well, actually. He's pushed in the back twice. The first one's very hard. The second one is as he's going around the keeper. But again, the rest got one chance to see it. And as we all know from watching VAR in the last couple of weeks in the Premier League, how you know how hard you push somebody is a matter of opinion, isn't it, really? So I think we were exactly. very lucky. But I, I I can't honestly call the ref out, if, you know, really. And it's not the end of the world, is it? Uh, we're still third. Uh, we're in a great position leading into January, where we we are going to make additions, I assume. Um, we're not on a bad run. Losing to Notts County away in a game where we played well with 10 men for the whole game... Uh, it, it it is what it is, isn't it? And it's just dust ourselves off. Get ready for the FA Trophy game. Is it not this Saturday? Saturday after, yeah, yeah. and then back to it. Back to it in our next league match, and uh, it just it's. I'm really happy with where we're at at the moment, Mark. To be honest, I think a good run of form and a couple of good additions, and we've got a really good chance of going up as champions. Absolutely, percent agree. Yeah. And, and the wheels will be in motion already, obviously, for the signings. I saw Julian Lescott in Starbucks yesterday. I think it was him. Um, so, you know, Sturridge. He's only 39, Lescott. Yeah. Did a bit like him. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there we go. That's, that's the Notts County game. I don't think there's any point in dwelling on it. Yeah. I think a lot of fans got very emotional about the referee. You know, I'm Is guessing you? a lot of... Re- yeah, I'm, I'm like my, me myself, you know, after a few <laughs> bottles of beer, you know, everyone can get a bit angry at things. But then once you sit back and look at the actual, actual what happened, yeah, the ref, the ref and the linesman didn't have the best of games. But, you know, at some point in the season, we're going to have the same thing happen to us. So that's just football, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, after this, we have a very interesting interview with Josh Galwin. 
I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really, really good of you to take time out from your schedule. Um, no but I've got to say, firstly, the article that you wrote for The Guardian uh, really was very perceptive about the effect of COVID on law division teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wonder whether people really realise just how difficult life is for people who are trying to keep clubs going in these circumstances. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're not like the Premier League, um, you know, and a lot of big championship clubs where, um, you know, we have, you know, mass revenue streams from sponsorships and that stuff. I know obviously you guys are now fortunate enough that you've got, you know, the owners in which you get TikTok and stuff like that in, but you're, I mean, it's a great club anyway, isn't it? So yeah, you deserve it. But, um, you know, the reality is clubs rely on fans coming through the door. And if they don't do that, then where's their income coming from? Um, and that's, you know, obviously that's what we spoke about in the article along with other things and just how tough it is for clubs at this level to be sustainable and, and, and keep going, especially in a pandemic when, you know, fans are not there or, 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 or limited. Um, it's it sometimes, I, 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 I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it sometimes feels to me like the National League sort of kicked the, the can down the road a bit, kicked the problem down the road a bit, rather than planning beforehand. I mean, for example when it was announced that Welsh teams can't have fans in their yeah. stadiums, it still took us a few days before we got an answer on whether we're allowed to stream games or not. We did sort of think that they would have planned in advance for it. It just makes me feel nervous. You've got something coming that you know it's coming, and yet yeah. the reaction seems to be of shock almost. Yeah, I just think, um, I think the National League is starting to get better at the commercial aspect of the league. I think um, if you actually look at you know, the, the revenue that the National League brings in, it's not bad. Um, you know, the fan base is phenomenal. You know, you look at Wrexham, you look at Notts County, you look at Grimsby, you know, Stockport, Chesterfield. I mean, the club, the, the fan base is phenomenal. Now, the National League need to monetize that better. Mm. And I think by monetizing that better, it gives the availability of a Wrexham if they have to play behind closed doors of having a bit of financial support there. Mm. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I do think it's important that there is planning. And I think you can see from last season um, with the old debacle with the with the payments yeah. that there was not clear planning. Um, the government, the, the, the DCMS was saying one thing and the National League was saying something different and it didn't seem like there was any real understanding of, of what was going to happen in January. So, yeah, I, I think the, the National League need to be better at that. I think we as um, lower levels need to have more respect, um, you know, because the reality is the Football League don't look favourably on us, which is why we never get voted for another team to go up. You know, how the National League is, one team automatic, one team for the playoffs, when really every team that goes up is phenomenal in the Football League. So, but I think until we get our house in order and until we monetise and until we look more professional, until we advance plan, then they're always going to look down on us like that, I think. I think you're dead right. And and I I gotta be honest, I think the Football League is quite short-sighted in not allowing an extra promotion place because it feels to me like you know basket case clubs come down from the football league and then it sort of go a bit stagnant in our league. I mean, help Wrexham, for example, because yeah. it's so difficult to then work your way back up. If there was an extra way back up, clubs would have more chance to sort of regenerate themselves and come back up quicker. Well, it depends what they want, really, because if you look at the Football League, there's probably about five or six clubs every year that are teetering on relegation. Mm. Now, you're voting, you have to vote for an extra body to to come up through the National League. Now, if you're five or six of those clubs, are you going to vote on another team coming up when you're teetering every year? You're not going to do it, are you? So, and and that's the reality. I mean, we looked at the voting system um, last year regarding the National League and how they divvy out the shares and, you know, the National League North got like three or four votes and the National League got pretty much all the votes. Yeah. So it didn't make any sense. So I just think we're a bit archaic with mm. the way we do things nowadays. And I think it does need changing. I think for us, you know, the National League North, mm. we should have two go up, one through the playoffs. The National League should have two go up, one through the playoffs because it makes the whole pyramid more competitive. That's just the reality of it. And that's, football is the strongest will survive. Mm. And the reality is if there's a group of, t- I mean, it's the same in the National League. There's a group of teams every year in the National League that are teetering every year. You know, at our level, there's Fylde, uh, York. Now, um, obviously, ourselves are starting to um, emerge. There's some big, Chester, there's some big clubs at our level. 
And really, you could do with one of them in the National League because then all of a sudden it makes that league more competitive. So whether or not they're going to do it, I don't know. But I think um, for the for the for the fans, mm. it's good to have you know big clubs at, at the right level. It seems it seems to me, and you know, speaking from a, a distance of one division, that the North looks stronger than the South. In that you get like yo-yo clubs coming up from the South, Ebb Street, Woking, you know, Braintree just bounce up and down, yeah. Dove, you know, different teams like that. Whereas in the yeah. North. Big clubs like York or Chester have got. I just said Chester were big on a wreck something. <laughs> oh no! Oh, well, that's the end of me. They'll be, I'll be slaughtered. So, uh, <laughs> burning effigies of me in the street. But um, again, but um, yeah, you know, clubs like that are, are, look like they're sort of stuck because it's really hard to get out. Like you say, all those teams who are competition for you. Yeah, I think the, the South is um, a bit more of a technical league, a bit of a slower league. Mm. Um, and then obviously, like you say, the North, um, it's a bit more tough, I would say. You know, um, a bit more physical, a bit quicker. Like you say, there's some really big clubs, you know, at this level as well. So, you know, when you've got York, filed, yeah, yeah. Chester, Chester, Harry um, <laughs> 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 through, and, you know, you've got some big budgets in it at our level. You know, real big, real, real big budgets. You know, budgets that could compete in the National League. So it's then difficult to get out of, you know, when you've got one up and, and obviously one through the playoffs. So it's, you know, you know what the playoffs are like. It's a lottery, isn't it? So, I mean, you look at Boston now. I mean, the manager's just gone there and, you know, they've they've got a decent budget and obviously they're just in the playoffs and he's done a great job there. But obviously they're looking at, you know, to, to move on from that. So, you know, there's, there's about... I'd say about five clubs, you know, especially at our level, that have real got budgets that could really hang with the best in the league above. Which, if you don't mind me saying, is 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 why you're well thought of in the game as a manager, because it's no secret that Hellyford's budget is not really that competitive, and yet you're. Really? <laughs> oh, 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 and that's what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, from the <laughs> come from where you've had to rebuild the club as well. You know how how could it be? You know, sort of the sort of filed style budget, and yet um, you've been to Wembley. You've you know you're holding your own in a very high level of competitions. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I took over, obviously we had um, obviously I was playing at the time, and we had pretty healthy budget. And um, I think the club went for it for a couple of years, and obviously they ended up in relegation battles. And I was, you know, I've said this before. I was fortunate enough, and not fortunate that obviously Bruce Slade come in and he didn't pick me. So I spent a long time um, in the stands watching the games. So obviously when I took over, I'd already made notes of what needed to be done. Um, so obviously we, we were able to get safe uh, that season because I think we were like one win in 15 or 20 or something stupid. So we were, we were you know, bottom of the form table looking like we need to go down. So first thing first was con to consolidate. But I am, I've got business head on my shoulders. I love business and my idea of dropping to this level was to get a club at this level and be able to go in and one, leave a legacy, but to grow a club and build a football club. So for me, you know, looking at the back end of the club, there, there needed to be changes. Um, obviously with that, the Bridget got decimated, um, which for a manager, obviously you want, you want to be as much money as you can, but you know, as a young manager for your first job, you take what you can get. So, um, you know, at the end of the day we did that. So knowing that and knowing we had a small budget, I, I had to come up with a way, um, a philosophy, a DNA, a way of playing that got us results. As simple as that. With, with, with the, the bodies we have now, you know, with a smaller budget, you have to be a better manager. And, and that's the value of it. And you have, to, you have to have best staff around you to get the best out of the players. And that's what we've done. We're very big on um, analytical data. Um, we recruit based on data as well. And, you know, we come up with clear game plans and we, and we look at progressing players and making players better. And, you know, the reality is, I think, Sometimes when players drop into the National League North, sometimes they're just broken. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's not actually much difference in in level uh, between this level, the level above in the Football League, but they've had bad experiences with managers or, you know, things have not gone right in their personal life. And me, from a psychology background, that's great for me because I know I can bring someone in and sit down and nurture them and, and get them back to where they need to be and buy into what we're doing. Um, which enables us to bring in some good players on, you know, a limited budget. And, you know, we've been progress progressing every year and we've got better every year. And obviously, apart from, I mean, we were pointing outside the playoffs before we had um, a little COVID outbreak over Christmas. So obviously we've got to get back into the mix again. But I, I, I think we're growing well. Um, it would be nice to have um, a cash injection, I would say, in the club because the, the stuff we're doing is great and, and it's working. But obviously, 
the more money you get, the better players you can do with with your system. So, but no, we'll, we'll get there. I love the club. You know, with we're starting to build in the youth team now because that left that 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 obviously got closed when COVID happened, and we're I'm, I'm teaching the, the the coaches um of the youth team our DNA. Uh, we're going to bring in a college program. Uh, we bring we brought in a community program now, and um you know commercially, I'm looking at and the club are looking at ways that the club can raise money that's not based on fans and football. And I think that's that, that's the big thing for me is getting this club sustainable that crowds are down at the moment. So what do we do? Where's the revenue that we get to bring in? That's away from from football. So obviously getting in the academies and obviously getting the money from the government with that, 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 that type of stuff really can benefit the football club. You've given me too many fascinating avenues I want to go down with you now. Um, <laughs> if I could just ask you about the DNA, is that in a sense yeah. of like values within a club or is it in terms of a like say a playing style that you want to be consistent with the youth team with the first team you know so, so that everyone's familiar with that yeah so i'm a in, in my life i was very structured i am very structured so i'm not the kind of person i can go to a gym and just do a gym program without a uh, paper so um for me it's our dna is it's a philosophy of course so it's about the type of players we recruit about the type of characters um obviously we have core values um which the players have to live by in, in, in inside the club and outside of the club. But it's also about the way to play, the, the style of play, how we play, um, you know, looking at the zones that we play through and, and our possession and all that stuff. So it's really imprinting that. And then also it's about, for me, it's about, at the football club, it's about leaving something that when I leave, they know exactly what manager next to recruit. I think is a big thing. So we've got a clear understanding of the type of player we want at the football club, left back, right back, centre half, goalkeepers, midfielders, attackers, so that um, when we're looking at bringing the next generation through, we're recruiting young lads based on that. So when they're training in the youth team, they're training the way we play. So when they get the opportunity to come into the first team, it's not such a big jump. And, you know, me personally coming through, obviously the youth system, you know, we played away and then all of a sudden you get to the first team, you're like, what is going on here? So, um, but... For, for me, if we can imprint our DNA into these lads from a young age all the way through, that when they get into the first team, the transition is effortless, then fantastic. And, th- and then that's what we've got to try and do. So, And it makes recruitment easy because we have a style of play. So we have to recruit based on that. So, you know, there won't be... I mean, my, generally, my players are fit, athletic, obviously good good, good footballers. So that's kind of like what we're, what we're recruiting for, obviously, based on stats. We're, we're doing a big stat-based thing at the moment to, you know, really try and hone in on getting the right type of targets because the reality is with a small budget, you've got to get them right. So, um, you know, we've got one or two wrong, of course, and, and stats aren't 100% foolproof. But I, I think it just gives us that, that means that we can be a bit more shrewd with our investments. Well, you, can, you can narrow the field, at least, of stats, can't you? If, at the very least... Um, yeah, I just think you can look. You can look at a player, and he have an amazing game, and you think he's for me. And you can look at him again; he's having an amazing game. But there's forty games in the season, yeah. So, and I just think with stats, um, it gives you a clear picture of the player. So it's just not your eyes deciding you, yeah. but actually just back it up. So that I, I think they're really important. Like the perfect swing in Moneyball, isn't it? The whole you see him once, one hundred percent. By yeah. total coincidence, I write a column in the paper, local paper, and I've actually been writing about that uh, this afternoon, that uh, Wrexham have often, I suppose all clubs probably do this, bought a player because they look good against them, especially I'm talking about maybe 20 years ago and there wasn't such a, it, it was more word of mouth. And we bought yeah. a keeper who was a short, agile goalie who was always amazing against us. And he came yeah. to us and had two rough years because yeah. we were made for him. We were a yeah. passing side. Any big yeah. striker that we bought ended up getting converted to centre-back, seriously, <laughs> because we didn't sling crosses in. Now, this yeah. lad was great at coming out of people's feet. He was great at making acrobatic saves. And we never yeah. stuck stuff in the mixer to make him yeah. look bad. And then we bought him and had two years with the teams sticking stuff in the mixer and then looking <laughs> bad. Oh, well, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I can't stop thinking as well. I mean, you sound very meticulous and very sort of details-based. Um it's it. it I, 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 I don't. The, the cliched phrase came into my head: marginal gains. But then yeah. I thought the problem with that is that Sky, the cycling team, obviously sort of came up with the phrase 
but they had a lot of money to bring these marginal gains in. You know, they can they can they they can get camper vans with Chris Froome and, and let him sleep in the car park rather than have a hotel room and things like that. Um, is it difficult? I certainly found that until fairly recently, the, the, you know, there wasn't much data at national league level. You know, to, to dig into. No. Is it difficult. No, there's not. Level but, of yeah, there's not. Um, so we um, coming up with a way of um, collating our own data. Mm. Is, is, is what I would say. Um, obviously, you've probably seen some articles about what we're doing um, regarding data. Um, it's difficult. Obviously, there are apps and stuff out there that we can use for some data, but obviously, the data's got to be specific to yeah. the way we play. So um, it's difficult. And and but like you talk about marginal gains. If we can sign one player based on that, and he's our player of the season next year, then brilliant. So, but no, we don't. I mean, if I had the money, I'd I'd be. Be like a mad scientist. <laughs> so I'd have all the club, honestly. But <laughs> but I don't. But look, um, I think we're quite in it, in it innovative. I think we think outside the box. So we try and do as much stuff as we can with limited resources that we have. Uh, we can be a bit cheeky. Um, you know, obviously, I've got um, one of those big TVs with the you know the pens and, and analyst stuff, and that was me yeah. being cheeky on LinkedIn to get a sponsorship to get one. So you know, you have to work, you have to network, and yeah. and, and sell yourself to get the to get the things you want in. So no, but the club's brilliant. We've got I've got a great team, we've got a great analyst, got um, you know some great coaches that you know we work together as a unit as a, as a team, and we we've all bought into it. Um, but the, 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 I think the big thing for me is with my staff is they're not nodding dogs. So if things aren't right and they don't agree with what I'm doing or what, how I spoke to a player, whatever, they'll pull me and tell me. And I think that's a real big thing. And that's probably one of our really big strengths that we're all in it together and for the right reasons. And we all check each other to make sure that we're doing you know, the best for, for, for the club. I find that really fascinating because you, you're clearly very modern and forward thinking and innovative. And yet out yeah. of necessity you also sort of have to do the very old-fashioned manager job of, like you said, you're interested in the commercial side as well. That's what I was going back, you know, before I was watching football in a way that a manager would genuinely manage the business as well. Um, I've got to say, my sense from what you're saying is full credit to Hereford because a lot of club owners and boards wouldn't give a level of responsibility like that, perhaps, but they sound to have really backed you very well. Yeah, I think um, we're a fun-run club, mm. so the club's new, so it reformed six years ago, whenever it was, and, yeah. and I think what happened was the club kind of went promotion, promotion, promotion from the low levels without building the back end of the football club, and then all of a sudden we've got to the National League North, yeah. where there's some big clubs in the National League North, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we need to start building something, and yeah. unfortunately enough that I've been at some you know really good football league clubs. And I always watch and I've always took notice. I've always looked at things different than just the football side of things. I've looked at the commercial side of things. I've looked at how things run social media based and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you guys, I love all the TikTok stuff because <laughs> yeah. the reality is commercial commercialism is online nowadays. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Um, you know, program sales are going down now because people yeah. are not doing paper anymore. Money transfers are going down, they're all digital. So, you know, we have to start thinking of, of that stuff. So, you know, going into the club um, when I sat down and pitched um, to get the job, that was, you know, one of my remits was I want to be involved in the football club. I don't want to just come in and, and just do the stuff on the pitch. I want to be invested in a football club and grow a football club. And, you know, they've, they've bought into that, um, which is brilliant. And, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep growing it. Um, obviously, at, at a point when we get to a level, they'll probably tell me to, to pee off and get lost and, and say, look, I'm, we're doing this, leave us alone, which they do at time to time because I'm a bit too interfering. But yeah, I just want them what, what's the best for the club. And, you know, commercially, the commercial is lined with my budget. Mm. So I need to be on that all the time because if I'm not and we're not selling and we're, and we're not hitting targets, then all of a sudden I get less of my budget. So, and, and that's the reality of a, you know, a National League North manager. Mm. So, um, but... Like I said, I'm, I'm just really fortunate that I've been in the league and, I, and I've, I've been there, seen and done it in the league. So obviously coming down to Hereford, um, we've got some great people here. We've got some real big business people at the club. Um, business and football don't always mix, I think, um, with passion. Well, we've seen it with Berry and teams like that where, and, and Hereford, to be fair, where they're really good business people and then all of a sudden they just do crazy things yeah. <laughs> because it's football. So, um, but we're fortunate that at the club, we've got a group of people that want to keep the club sustainable. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing. And they won't overspend. If it means that we have a less budget and, you know, we can't bring in the best players in the world, that's what it will be to make the club sustainable because the club went bust. 
and that's the reality of it. But it's also kind of my job, I suppose, to kind of look at them and say, well, we've been there, seen it, done it. We know the implications of not managing the club properly, but we can't make decisions based on fear. We have to make decisions based on a strength that we've been there and we've seen the effects of it. So we've learned from it. So we won't make those mistakes again. Now let's drive forward and we're getting there. We are getting there. It's, it's, I'd like it quicker. <laughs> of course I would. But um, we are getting there slowly. Oh, brilliant. I, I, I've got a, another thing that comes into my mind. Like I said, you, you said earlier that although you're meticulous, you can improvise. Um, I'd yeah. imagine that, I, I'm right in saying this, aren't I? Having to go to Wembley to play a final, having not had a league to play in, so you've got this long, yeah. empty gap beforehand, that must be a real... Yeah challenge because you want to be well prepared but there's no substitute for actual competitive football is there yeah it was difficult because I think you know Hornchurch weren't playing anyway mm. yeah so and I, and I think their style of play I don't really think they had um, no disrespect to Hornchurch because they beat us in the final pretty well so <laughs> fair, fair play to them but obviously the way we are we have to work at what we do and I think not having games to to keep that momentum going, I yeah. think affected us in the final. Uh, but also, um, you know, they were the underdogs. They um, so when you're the underdog, there's no pressure on you. Mm. And it and it really taught me about myself. It taught me about my squad, who could handle pressure and who couldn't. Mm. Um, and for me, going there, sitting in that manager's office at, at Wembley, made me want that every day. Yeah. I, I, I want that every day. I want those big games. I want to play in big stadiums. Um, I want to play. I want to manage at the play, manage at the biggest um, stadiums. You know, that's that, that's what I want, and it really gave me that hunger and that burning desire to to really push on and get that. And you know, I believe at some point I'll be there. Um, hopefully, with Hereford, and we'll kick on and we'll get there ourselves. But um, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing day. Um, obviously, losing is not great, but what I did do is it, it informed my recruitment. It, it informed my decision on um, the players I was going to keep. So there was positives from it, even though we ended up losing. And, and the great thing is, after the game, we um, got all the lads on the coach, found out where all the fans were um, at the pub, at a pub, and we all got off the coach <laughs> and we celebrated, we celebrated with the fans because, yeah. for me, we'd, we'd not had them all year, and that was their first opportunity to come and see us um, at Wembley. Which I know we lost, but for, for a lot of them was amazing so you know we had to share that with them and so I got to make sure all the lads got off the coach and we all went in the pub and and, and kind of commiserated or celebrated together whatever you want to call it um, as, as, as a group oh that's good that's very good I like that very much um, I, I'd like if you don't mind as well just to mention uh, as a player you were always the bloke who after playing against Wrexham all the online forums would, would say we've got a guy you've got to buy this guy this guy's good you're, you're always seen <laughs> You always look very <laughs> impressive against us. Um, just my hand, I was all. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it was impressive, don't get me wrong, and still is. But no, no, there's a quality play as well. Um, you were involved, well, I mean, Kidderminster had a, a cracking rivalry with Wrexham. Sadly, both of us never quite got up. Um, but there were a couple of memorable incidents in games you played in, and I guess the most memorable is Adrian Cieslovich's ghost goal. As Agbara, um, that was that was a weird one. <laughs> did they end up giving it? Yeah, it was given in the end. It, did, yeah. it was a goal. Yeah. So it was a goal. Um, so I remember, they, I remember we scored and we were like, we all looked around and we thought, he didn't give this. Was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it a woman, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, Amy Fern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we thought, she not give this. So we went, yeah. come on, let's, go, let's, let's, just, let's just push up and pretend it didn't go in. <laughs> 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 so we all pushed up and then everyone was going absolutely ballistic. I remember all the Wrexham fans jumping on the pitch going absolutely crazy. And we were like, so we just stood there pretending like it was a goal kick thinking, he's not going to give it. She's not going to give it. She's not going to give it. And then after about 10 minutes, she, <laughs> she finally gave it. Yeah. So yeah, there was a little hole in the net. Yeah. So I don't think the um, linesman had checked the net. Mm. So there was a, where, where the post was, there was a gap. Yeah. So um, obviously the ball had gone in and come back out the other side. Yeah. So they thought it was just a goal kick, but actually it'd gone in the back of the net. So yeah. Damn, one we didn't get away with. <laughs> yes. Uh, nearly, though. Nearly. I, 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 was, I was commentating, and I was in the press box, and it you could see from my angle, it definitely went, and I just happened to be yeah. right behind Cislovich, and you could see it went in the bottom corner, and it went through. Yeah. But yeah. my gripe about it is that the poor ref, obviously, you know, she's not in the right spot to see it. She can't tell what no. side the post it's gone. 
So yeah. understandably, he assumes, well, it's not in the net, so it didn't go in. Um, but the fourth official was bang in line with me and with the the, 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 the shot. Yeah. And surely, I thought, the fourth official seen this, and yet he let her walk around the pitch being chased by Wrexham players for about five minutes yeah. until finally called her across, and the moment he spoke to her, she gave a goal. And you think, yeah. couldn't she have just told her immediately, mate, rather than you know, let that happen? How many times did you see a foul on the pitch right by the line and it doesn't flag? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then the ref comes over and says, what do you think? And he'll go, oh, it's a foul. Well, put your flag up then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then she had five minutes being chased around the pitch by you guys. <laughs> Afterwards. <laughs> like an old 70s Benny Hill sketch. <laughs> she got a good workout, if nothing else. <laughs> but um, and then we got players sent off afterwards because they were so angry. Even though, to be fair, she yeah. did come to the right decision, so yeah. there was no real right to be annoyed. But I think yeah. everybody, I think everybody, was turned to Rex and had lost the plot by then. To be fair with oh, you, yeah. uh, to be fair, we'd always, we'd always, you know, whenever I played against Rex, it was always a tough game. Mm. You knew exactly what was coming when you played, especially um. I think that year we played at your ground and some of the football you played and the pitch is massive. Mm. And when you get bopped around for 90 minutes, you're just like, oh, just let it be over. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're always brilliant games and the the stadium, the fans, the atmosphere is just, um, yeah, it's just, it's a kind of, I mean, it's, that's what the National League's about and Mm. the club deserves to be in the league for me, Wrexham, it does. Well, it's certainly exciting at the moment, you know, with capacity crowds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. on Boxing Day would have been sold out. We've had one yeah. complete sellout, and and uh, you know our crowds are regularly around nine thousand now, and the atmosphere is wonderful. But um, I always wondered, you know, coming to a club, a ground like that, is it motivation or is it intimidating or is it a bit of both? Does it depend on an individual's mentality? Perhaps? Yeah, I think it depends on an individual. For me, it got me focused. The more fans there, the better I played. I felt. Because you'd kind of zone out and it, and you knew if you did something wrong, they'd let you know. Mm. So it just made you focus and, and more determined. And it was a big game. It makes it a big game when there's a crowd there. Yeah. Whereas some 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 lads, you know, they'll do a bad pass and the crowd will get on them and they just mm. go. So I, I think it very much, you know, depends on the individual. I've been fortunate enough to play in front of some big crowd. So for me, it was it was brilliant. I, I like having a bit of stick as well. So when the fans get on you and stuff, it's, it's brilliant. I've had some memorable times. Of them. I mean, remember we played Luton away once and I was at Kidderminster and the fan was battering me. He was, uh, we went for a corner. He was absolutely hammering me. He was calling me Don Goodman and everything. <laughs> and um, and I remember the cross coming, I was, I was smashing my left foot and scored. So I ran over to him like that going, hey! <laughs> Probably wasn't the best idea in Louis. <laughs> 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 um, as with the, the biggest game I remember you playing at Wrexham was a playoff. And I, you yeah. know, I don't want to you know, rub the result in too much. But there was a huge controversy beforehand because Dave Artell, our centre-back, had got sent off in the last game of the season for trying to kick a Mansfield player over the stand. And then yeah. he'd then won the appeal, which was a, a strange one. Um, yeah. And then he scored in the first leg as well. I mean, it yeah. must have been. I think, I'll give, I think I'll give a penny away in both legs. I think. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's... <laughs> we we that year we got we'd gone. So by the time the playoffs come round, we yeah. we'd. I remember the start of the season. I was on. I was at Lincoln, and the first five games we lost, and then I come in with drew five, and then we went on a, like a twenty-six game and beating run. Yeah. I think we were like the informed team in Europe, and we just mm. give everything. And then to get to the to the last game of the season, I think we bought we beat Stockport with like six one or something like something crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, you guys lost to Mansfield. I think, I think yeah. you played basically you played your youth team. Yeah, and lost two uh, one. I remember it and um, very well. And um, <laughs> and um, we just we were just shot. We were so disappointed mm-hmm. to, to to have done that and then and then get so close and then it, it not happened. So we went into the playoffs and. To, obviously, credit to to, to Rexham. Obviously, they did the job, but we just we just I think we'd spent we were spent, and um, it just kind of and then obviously after that, then obviously Brewery left, and obviously the the club didn't quite get that form again. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I, I hate to make it feel worse, but it was one nil the game at Mansfield, and although we did play our kids, it was a penalty, and it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, there was a poor yeah, we, uh, left. So. We um so we played Stockport and we were beating them like three yeah. 0 four 0 after about thirty minutes, and their fans jumped on the pitch and trying to fight our players. So the game got the game got paused 
so we went back in the dressing room so we were watching your game yeah and yeah. so we were there watching it thinking oh come on come yeah. on race honestly <laughs> 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 so, yeah it went it went the way it went but uh, i mean mansford were obviously a good well they weren't a good side that year they played absolute boom ball didn't they but yeah. um but yeah and, and then yeah the yeah it was just good team i would say yeah, but yeah that's football and that's the playoffs yeah well, weirdly enough, that season is still talked about by Wrexham fans, but nothing to do with Wrexham. And if yeah. I had a quid for every time we've started the season badly, and then everyone yeah. says, look what Mansfield and Kidderminster did that season. For some reason, yeah. that's really stuck in everyone's heads. So it's still used, oh, at least as a sort of psychological thing. I was trying to do that this year with, with the board when I was saying, please don't sack me. When I was at Kidderminster, <laughs> we didn't win our first 10 games. <laughs> 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 so I use it just the same so yeah there I'm go. there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've got to ask you a stupid question um, were you allowed to eat Agbara soup and pies at Kidderminster <laughs> because my gosh I love I, for nothing no other reason but that that was worth it that was the best yeah, the, the pies in that were amazing there weren't they no I, I never I never dabbled in that I was um, strictly good diet good health <laughs> Not saying the pies were bad or they're not good for me, but yeah, but yeah, no, I didn't, um, I didn't partake in in, in those things. <laughs> if, if you could see below the screen, you you'd know, you know, if you'd taken the wrong path, just what a mess you'd have got into because I'm, <laughs> I'm carrying enough extra pounds, I can tell you. Oh man! <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the yeah, show. Everyone. Um, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Like I said, I really enjoyed the article that you wrote in the Guardian. And well, I mean, it's no surprise how interesting a guest you've been, but that doesn't make any less of a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Hi, guys, I'm Dominic Rose, and uh, this is Dragon Hot. Well, that was Josh Gowan there. Really interesting to hear from him. It's actually interesting to hear about that Cheeselvich goal, isn't it, really? Yeah, I love that. I love them all just like trying to play it cool. What what are you talking about? You shot wide. Like <laughs> collective. Although, like I said to him, my recollection was <laughs> once we'd finished chasing the ref around and the goal had been given, they chased the ref around as well. It was like, <laughs> it was quite something that it was really, really crazy. And that that got a lot of hits on YouTube. That was a real yeah. crazy Wrexham moment. So I, I, I yeah. gotta say, Jay, Kidderminster are a really nice club and I like them a lot. But I, I know that they did feel a bit annoyed with me after that match because um I just immediately thought this is YouTube gold. That this will this will go yeah. mad. And the situation was what that they were going to burn the game onto a DVD for us. And they were like, oh, um, we haven't done it yet, so we'll we'll pass it along to you. We'll give it to the team bus or something, or or, or Geraint Parry, or somebody who's who's still around, you know? But I thought, no, I, I want to leave at that desk because I, I want to get that on YouTube as quickly as possible. So um, I said, no, no, I'll wait. And it was really weird, sort of awkward 10 minutes standing there while this blinking obsolete technology burnt the match onto this DVD <laughs> disc. The D, the burner they were using was massive. I don't know where the heck it came from. So the, the, the Stone Age. And it was in the corridor, a very narrow corridor outside the changing rooms. So I'm standing outside the changing rooms, um, trying to avoid eye contact with Andy Bishop, who'd lost his head after we went 3-1 down and got sent off for stamping on a kid's player. The correct decision, but he completely lost it. And he was standing outside the ref's office, just waiting for the ref to come out so we could have a blast out. And he looked so angry. And he's standing there furious. And I'm standing there, like, sort of looking in the other direction, trying to pretend I wasn't there. <laughs> All this damn video was saying, 2% done, 3%. But anyway, it eventually came out. I got the disc. I, I drove home like a, a lunatic, but within the law. Um, and I'm and I like I said, we're not allowed to put highlights out straight away, but I thought, stuff this, this is going to be big. So I just pulled the goal out and I put it out and put some sensationalist headline at the top, and um, it went viral. It's the second biggest video we've ever had. In fact, I'll just wow. check what the viewing figure is now. Um, let's see, uh, but it's 
it was second biggest we've had after the Don Vos one. So at the time, it was the biggest one that we've had. Um, and apparently, Kidderminster were furious that I'd gone with their footage. There we are. 488,000 views. Wow. Um, so not bad. Yeah, uh, not bad at all. But yeah, Kidderminster apparently were furious that I'd taken their footage and put it up. But I've got to say, they had the footage there and didn't do anything with it. Um, well, and is you know, I mean, the, the tradition, although we now see some cowboy teams not doing it, is that you know, we give you our home game footage, you give us your home game footage. So it was our yeah. footage as well. Um, so but they, I think they were just annoyed that they hadn't put it up first, yeah, but but they didn't spot the situation. I had to drive over for two and a half hours, frankly, for those two and a half hours, I was thinking, oh, if they put up first, then we've lost the opportunity, but they didn't. So, hey, hey, hey. Griffith wins. Uh, that's that, that's their fault, and I, as I always say, I have a real soft spot for Kidderminster. And that, there's been some crazy matches there throughout the years, and I hope they a uh, good luck to them on Saturday. Isn't aren't they playing Reading? So in the FA Cup. So talking about crazy FA Cup ties in history, we have we have the anniversary of the Nottingham Forest victory. Is it? That's right. Which, and the Ars- of course, the most famous Wrexham fixture of all time, the Arsenal one. So, what's your recollection on both, Mark? Well, I wasn't at the Forest game, but it was remarkable. Um, we were supposed to go down, we were supposed to be playing on New Year's Day at three o'clock on a Saturday, and it was called off because of fog. So, all the fans and the team had to go back home. They tried it again the next day. This is the Clough team, uh, which uh, it's it's just past its peak. So they've won the European Cup twice, but this is a year and a half later. They've lost some players, but they've still got the likes of Shilton, Viv Anderson, John Robertson. You know, the, there's still a lot of quality players in that side, and Gary Mills. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, obviously they're strong favourites. We are a second division team, or championship team, as you call it now, and we were expected to get hammered because that's the season we get relegated and we rallied late in the season but until that late season rally we were looking bad so we didn't shouldn't have had much of a chance and we go behind very early on Dixie scored an own goal well free kick which he deflected and we're losing a half time and then in the second half we absolutely tear into them Steve Dowman who was a Big centre back on loan from Colchester. He was a good player. He was with an outstanding afro. Um, he equalised. He never scored goals. And I, I think I remember researching for an article I wrote, which I'll stick on the on the comments. Uh, I think it was it was the longest drought of his career. He hadn't scored for years. Then he scored this great diving header to equalise. Then Dixie scores a fantastic volley past Peter Shilton, and Mick Vinter who was a, a real sort of fox-in-the-box striker. Uh, bizarrely, scored from outside the area, possibly thinking I might as well score the best goal of my career because he was Notts County legend, who then moved to Wrexham. So maybe he thought, wow. go back to Nottingham, I'll give the county fans something to enjoy. And we beat them 3-1. I mean, absolutely remarkable that we could do that against, you know, say, Cluffs Forest, and w- which still had the remnants of a lot of good players. And although, like I say, it was, they were going into a little bit of a decline, I mean, I mean the decline from being European champions. They they remained a good top division team for years, but uh, yeah, we uh, we pulled her off. That's that's uh, one of the real forgotten upsets. Yeah. It even seems forgotten by the the, the media. Um, maybe because it was moved back a day, but yeah, it, it, it's just not remembered like it like maybe it should be. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Maybe we should do a separate show on giant killings in the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is one that I have never... I think I've heard of it in the past, but it never mm-hmm. comes to my immediate thoughts. I usually hear you hear more about the Middlesbrough one or the West Ham one in, in uh, previously more than the Nottingham Forest one. But the one everyone talks about, and it is probably Wrexham's most famous moment, is the, that infamous Arsenal game, isn't it? Um, draw a picture to fans who obviously weren't there at the time or draw a picture to the newer fans the younger fans 
what that was like, the build-up, the the game itself, covering it. What what was it like? It, the build-up was exciting, but I think everybody knew we had no chance. <laughs> we really genuinely yeah. felt we didn't have a chance. I mean, Arsenal were the champions of the Premier League. Uh, well, OK, the, the top division. Um, they'd, they'd had a poor season, though. They didn't defend their title well at all, so they were struggling a bit. They'd signed Ian Rice, and he was making a difference, but he was cup-tied. I think. He certainly couldn't play. Yeah. There was a reason why. So he couldn't play. Um, but still, I mean, you look through that side. It is the side pretty much that won the league the year before. And it's full of great England internationals. Seaman goal. Adams at centre-back alongside David O'Leary as Irish legend. You know, you've got Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn. It's a great back four. You've got Paul Merson, Alan Smith up front. He was a prolific goal scorer. David Rowcastle. I mean, they got a fabulous team, that. Um, and so beforehand, I mean, we, I mean, basically the season before we had finished bottom of the fourth division and it, we only reason we didn't go down was because they were restructuring the leagues because all the shots had gone out of business. So they restructured right. the leagues and nobody went down. Um, now, now, we knew that at the start of the season. And actually, I think that was Brian Flynn's great stroke of genius, actually, that I, th- I I could be wrong, but he certainly got the feeling that he he decided to experiment for that season. The year before, we'd ne- we'd genuinely nearly gone down. Colchester went down, and it was us or them, and we survived. And I think Flynn realised that there was no danger of going down, and so he decided he'd experiment and bring a lot of young lads through. And we finished bottom because of that, because the young lads were very inexperienced, but. I think it stood them in good stead because we're talking about players who made their debuts that season or got their first run in the team that season, like Phil Hardy, Gareth Owen, Carl Connolly, you know, real you know, yeah. players who would go on to be legends for us. Steve Watkin, I mean, a little bit more earlier, Steve Watkin, but certainly that was when he got his, his games in. And basically, yeah, we, we improved the next season, the season we played Arsenal, but we were a mid-table team. We are nowhere near challenging for the playoffs. And we were supposed to get hammered. So beforehand, you sort of think, well, this is great. We're going to get to see Arsenal. This will be fun. And we'll give it a good go. Um, so beforehand, you sort of thought, well, you know, fans are going to make a lot of noise. We're going to get stuck in. But it's not going to happen. Surely, this is too much, even for us. Um, and then I felt the mood changed a bit early on. Because we... They were better than us, much better than us in the first half. And I remember having this feeling, I was commentating on it, and I remember having this feeling of it's it's quite difficult to get, I know it's a stupidly obvious thing to say, it's really hard to get the ball off them. And then when we do, we're under such pressure to make the most of it that we're, we're struggling to use it well. But then we started to get at them a bit. And, it was, and Gareth Owen missed a, an early chance I mean, it was a snapshot, I'm not knocking him, but it was one of those where he did really well to stretch and he hit it well from around the penalty spot, clear sight of goal. He's, he's stretching and he, he can't quite control it and it just goes alongside the post. And you think, oh, what if that had gone in? And, and we, we did yeah. get them a bit. But as the half went on, they regained that grip and they scored that goal early on, just at the end of the half. And I know there's that cliche which is not backed up by the stats that the best time to score a goal is before half-time. Well, I think this was a, a beautiful illustration of how scoring before half-time can be a bad thing because Arsenal, having dominated it, if they hadn't got that goal, I think we'd have had to go in at half-time and say, right, lads, we're much better than these. We'd better sort around. And we'd gone out for the second half, giving us a beating. But instead, they got that goal now. And it just felt, the second half felt like a half-time. It all just let out a breath of relief. Phew, that's all right. We won that. Because the second yeah. half, they were poor. And we were superb. I mean, we really did go at them in the second half. And we deserved to win it by the end. It was- and there's that, there's that free kick, isn't there, that got us back into the game. And <laughs> what was that like, commentating on it as he put the ball down? It, he hit, Mickey Thomas hit that ball so sweetly, didn't he? Oh, it's just beautiful. It's just one of those. It's like like Lee Saul Johnson at Notts County. Yeah. <laughs> the moment he hits it, it's well, that's it. <laughs> it was just such yeah. a hit. The thing Fair is, play to David. David seemed to got a hand to it as well, didn't he? Yeah, he, he still, still couldn't have stopped it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we came back at them really well, 
And I think they still thought, well, it will be okay. I mean, it's sort of seven minutes from the end when he equalises. I think they're still feeling they'll be all right, but we are really asking questions of them. And, I mean, of course, the free kick is a controversial decision in itself. It's not long. And Gordon Davis, who is a very experienced, you know, Wales striker, coming to sort of finish his career with us pretty much, um, he'd actually agreed to sign for a Finnish team. But they they let him stay until we played Arsenal, which is good of him. Yeah. And he was, you know, his legs had gone. He was an intelligent player, but he wasn't able to get in the box and score goals like he used to when he was younger. But it was just cute. He backed into David O'Leary and bought a free kick on the edge of the box. Now, you look at it again. Is O'Leary climbing or is Gordon Davis backing in? I think it's a, unlike the Notts County game, we got the lucky, the lucky uh, decision that time. And Mickey Thomas thrashes it in. And, and it was interesting that you, you then see the signs of like Arsenal's psychological collapse because David Rowcastle, this is a beautiful midfielder, Rowcastle, gets the ball in midfield in loads of space and just hits a square sort of switch to nobody and it goes for a throw-in and the whole crowd go nuts and he looks bewildered wow. and he just said, their heads have gone. Why did he do I mean, he's a lovely pass with the ball. What, what, what just happened there? It was just like, Got the ball, panic. Oh, there should be someone on the wing. Bang. There's nobody on the wing. And, and you just think, the heads have gone here. And the fans are really roaring, going for it. And then that breakaway, uh, Wayne Phillips's ball over the top, uh, down the right, rather, and the ball getting pulled in. And then Tony Adams, who like was the best English centre-back of his generation, makes the mistake, stretches and pops it straight to Steve Watkin. And Steve, yeah, great, cool finish, that. Um, and... Oh. and the other thing with their disintegration is I always remember seeing, you look back on the video, look at the two goals and the Arsenal fans after the equaliser, there's like this weird like ripple in the crowd as the whole, the whole lot of them are like sort of just, I don't know, like throw their heads back. They're all amazed. Like what? <laughs> and then in this, after the second one, just the whole Arsenal end, just go that, they all just throw their heads in their hands <laughs> simultaneously. Oh no! It's quite funny to watch, like the, the increasing <laughs> horror that they're, they're feeling as, as the goals go in. And of course, they do equalise, and it's disallowed, and that's a that's a tight one. Um, well, I say a tight one. It's a dubious one. That's, uh, but I don't care. <laughs> Gordon, um, Jimmy Hill did. So yeah. that, Jimmy Hill went nuts on match of the day afterwards, uh, and Desmond Lynham was having a go at him. For, for you know, not enjoying the romance, Jimmy Hill slapped a tenor on the on the, the desk and said, "Oh, I, I had Arsenal in the in the match of the day sweepstakes, so Wrexham can have my ten pounds back." And threw a strop because, like, well, because he he felt Mickey Thomas's free kick wasn't the goal. He felt their goal should have stood, maybe so. But then, um, well, my response to that is have a look back at the other FA Cup game you played against Arsenal in nineteen seventy eight, which is a quarter final of the FA Cup. We lose 3-2 at the race course, but there's a disallowed goal at the start. And I defy you to work out why it's disallowed. I mean, honestly, just watch it and try and work. I'll put that in the comments underneath as well, won't I? Like, there is no reason to disallow the goal, but it's disallowed. So they are, one all. Um, and the Wrexham fans' response, of course, was to send Fulham, because Jimmy Hill was chairman of Fulham then, Loads of counterfeit five pound notes in Mickey Thomas's face on rather than the Queen, <laughs> <laughs> which should be the real five pound note, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, well, absolutely, but he did get into a little bit of bother over his counterfeiting, <laughs> didn't he? Had running simultaneously with that cup run, it's quite but something, isn't it? <laughs> what, what a romantic game, and what a well, in my opinion, one of the most defining moments in Rax FC history, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um. I think you could argue it was the most defining moment. I, I personally say that when the fans took over the club was the most important moment in Wrexham history. Yeah. Um, but that that game is certainly in question. It's just just hearing about it and seeing Wrexham competing and beating the likes of Arsenal is just so alien to me because I, since I've been a fan, we've never really had a great FA Cup run. Yeah. Um, 
the closest we had was probably the Stoke games. Seth, that was seven years ago too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and that was terrific. But it's, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, just looking at it and thinking there's a whole generation of Wrexham fans who haven't seen our cup runs, which is a shame because I'm, I was, I, I'm, well, I say I was lucky. I mean, a lot of my youth was spent watching a really bad Wrexham team in the fourth division, and Arsenal felt a bit like the payoff. You've been patient yeah. for 10 years, have this. But yeah, it, it's amazing as well. Like I said, the way it happens, it's like if you were to have a fantasy about a cup win, it would be we're losing to the champions with seven minutes left, but we win. And one of the goals is an absolute screamer. And then the winner is scored by a local lad. Uh, you know, I mean... It, it's like I, something from a, an American sports film, isn't it? It's, yeah. You, you know, you, you can't write that sort of thing. I remember going to my first game with my auntie to go watch Wrexham back in early 2000s. And I remember the first thing she told me about was that Arsenal game. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's, it certainly is like a real like folk story for the town, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. It's uh and the ironic thing, of course, is that I reckon you might argue the portal upset is a yeah. bigger upset actually <laughs> um, in that, they're European royalty. We were worse, I would say. That that Wrexham team that beat Porto was not as good as the Wrexham team for, that beat Arsenal because we had all these good young lads coming through in the team that beat Arsenal. Mm. And also that um, it's over two legs, the Porto game. It's much harder to pull up a shock when you have three hours of football because the better players yeah. surely will come through, or better team will come through. Um but I don't want to spoil the romance of what we did against Arsenal, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it was it was utterly remarkable. It, it, it certainly was. And I, I love looking back at the highlights. And I think it's a footballing story that's not talked about enough these this day and mm-hmm. age. So, yeah, and let, let's hope in the future we have more FA Cup runs and more trophy runs even because our next game's going to be is it Folkestone in Victor at home yeah yeah. so yeah maybe what's your thoughts on that one I well I don't know <laughs> because yeah. with Covid you know will that, will that affect team we can put out how serious a team are we going to put out I must be honest after the Notts County game I thought we've got to pick Mullen because he's just champing at the bit after that penalty to to stick some goals past someone and, and get his confidence up again. But having said that, Parkinson sin, since then has essentially said Mullen's going to take a three-week break to try and recover from his hamstring injury because they feel they've done everything that they can do and yet it still won't quite go away. So even the one, I thought, cast iron selection, I guess, isn't. But well, I, I, we, we've got to be strong favourites for that, haven't we, obviously? Yeah. But, you know, we just talked about giant killings. You can't take anything for granted. The thing is, I want us to go up this year. I'd love to go have the FA Trophy as well, but I want us to go up this year, bottom line. Well, we'll we'll break that down. We'll I think we'll probably do a bit of a segment on, because there's no game this weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll do a bit more of a heftier seg- segment on who we should play, how we should play sort of thing next week. And, yeah, um, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, Dragonheart Show. Um, follow the Wrexham official Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. So yeah, that's that's it from me, Mark. Absolutely, it's uh, it's been a good one. Bring back some happy memories. Yeah, it has been a good one. Um, this is Dragonheart. This is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. <laughs>